What did the demon look like in your head? I picture a a sadder sadder legs and and then a really beefy top that's red and big old goat horns on the top sort of thing. I want to say the faces. It's like a horse's face. No, no, it's like a it's like a dog's face. It's like a dog horse face. It's a little more condensed, and I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's what I Yeah. I picture it's a generic-looking demon dude, but he also has kind of, like, satyrish legs, but they're more similar to, like, long chicken legs. Right, so instead of ending in a hoof, they end in a... Yeah, they end in just kind of... Claws? Like, it really looks like he's skipped a Like, I'm imagining that like, just... There's just, like, a tuft... Like I, I like started his hips and then like just these two long kind of like chicken legs. Really <laughs> almost like, oh gosh, um, what are those freaking pink birds called? Flamingos. Flamingos like flamingo legs. Yeah, he's kind of cool. <laughs> but, like a scary flamingo, but like unless he's like a really really scary one with big old just, horns. Yeah, you just kind of laugh at him for skipping leg day. <laughs> and then he kills you. Yeah, and he just kind of like off even takes your wife. Yeah. Classic. Yep. <laughs> Typical Classic demons. Demon. Anyways, Ian, do you want to start us off with a, with a brief summary? Yes, I can do that. <clears throat> Katie and Micah, a young couple who just recently moved in together. I think his name is Mika. Strange. Mika. <laughs> <laughs> Katie and Mika, dumb name, a young couple who just recently moved in together have been hearing strange noises in their house. Katie believes these sounds are coming from something supernatural. Mika, while not taking this idea very seriously, decides to get a camera to document these strange events, and it's through this lens that the story of paranormal activity unfolds. Bum, bum, bum. I, uh, Ian, what did you what did you think of the movie overall? Well, to start it off, my score, I gave it a six point five. Six point five, okay. Now, I think if I had seen this movie when it originally came out, it, this score might have been bumped up quite a lot because there would have been a lot more of a fear factor for me. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, but but the the movie now to me is just not very scary. Yeah, and so I think I lose a lot of the the elements of the movie that that make it good, right? Because the reason I don't find it scary is because I don't find it to feel real, and I think without that, uh, the score suffers a bit. But it's still I still give it a lot of points because. The characters do feel real, and I think they did that very well. Okay. Um, the and I think the 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 story itself, and as well, of course, the way that the story was shot is quite unique, even today. And, uh, and so that, that that gives it a lot of brownie points for me. All right. <laughs> so, so yeah. How about you? I. I lean into horror a lot when I watch horror, so thing, I, I let things scare me more than they normally would, and I think mm-hmm. that's because I went through a period of my life where I, I was like, I'm not going to be scared of horror, 
And I would like go to haunted houses, and I just wouldn't be fun because I would just go like, Hades, and it would just be it would just be boring. <laughs> and uh, so that's when I learned the value of just like being scared. Um, so yeah. overall, I would give it an eight, and I do agree that for the time it came out, when we just hadn't seen too much of found footage, it would have been a lot scarier. And I can only imagine how much it scared people then. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the idea that it really was real. I think it's really cool. Um, and, and did you say your overall score? Uh, my overall? Oh, no, I didn't. I think uh, I think I'd give it an eight. An eight myself. Seven point five yeah. to an eight. So I think we probably averaged around seven point two five or something. That's correct. Nice math. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, the 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 movie from us gets an average score of seven point two five out of ten. Pretty good. Pretty good. And and also just before I move on, uh, I I like that you were talking about how you were saying you lean into the core and you let it scare you, and I think that's that's actually pretty cool. Um, because yeah, I, I do think that the rational side of my brain makes it difficult to lean in. Although even so, horror movies do still scare me. Like like the Baba Duke, uh, I do think about it sometimes now when i'm going to bed like it won't keep me up but it'll cross my mind so it's still there yeah it's kind of make you a little uncomfortable yeah it's funny that you brought up haunted houses though uh and that they didn't scare you before because (laughs) despite my rational side haunted houses scare the crap out of me (laughs) like i'll just go into a haunted house and i'll just be like ah just running the whole way through (laughs) like so I can't relate to not being afraid of haunted houses. We'll have to do something <laughs> where we like record ourselves going through a haunted house at some point. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I will, I will scream. <laughs> That'll be fun. But what I what I really appreciate about the movie is they didn't need to show us the monster. We were talking about what it looked like, but like, and I, when I picture what it looks like, I would laugh. But like, it's it doesn't look like anything. It's and that's what's scary is it's really just some strange motivation to do harm. Yeah, they, they do understand. a really good Yeah, they do a really good job of keeping it mysterious. Yeah, yeah like giving us more and more of its presence without ever making it actually present. Um so good on good on that. Uh yeah. so the movie starts out with the wife and husband and he's talking about just uh how he's going to start filming everything that that kind of sets the basis for the rest of the movie. Uh, what did you think just like in the get go, the first like few minutes getting introduced to your characters and stuff? What did you think? What did you think? Like, <laughs> this is going to be good. Or were you thinking like, what have I gotten myself into? Well, I got to say my first thought was, uh, my God, this couple is like, <laughs> I really, <laughs> how they have that much money. I don't know if that's where you're going with that, but well, I wasn't thinking quite that. There's also that, right? Because apparently Mika's a day trader. <laughs> uh, She's a student. Like, how do you afford all that when you're paying? Yeah, students? and they they I have to do yeah. <laughs> yeah, because oh, you know what it is, right? Because they have this freaking huge ass house with three bedrooms, and there's only two of them. And like you said, Mika's a day trader, and I guess Katie's a student. But guess when this takes place? 2006 right before the right before the resi- you know the uh real estate crisis the housing crisis or whatever name you want to give it so so they probably got this loan from someone 
you know, who's just given loans to everyone because free money. And uh, I guess they just took one probably because he's a day trader. So that that's my take on that. <laughs> so we figure out the, the mystery of their finances. Yeah, but uh, uh, going back to the characters, though, my first thought is, uh, and there's nothing wrong with this at all, but this is just a straight-up, stereotypical, um, heteronormative couple. <laughs> they, uh, they are about as typical of a couple as you can get. Like, if I was just to write, like, yeah. give me a typical couple with, like, a Sims character or something, I'd be like, yeah, that's easy. So yep. Be good, Katie. And again, nothing wrong with that. Not not to uh, criticize anyone in one of these relationships. <laughs> but, uh... but yeah, and we definitely start seeing the depth between those two come in later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to emphasize they do feel like real people. I, I agree with that. They, yeah, while they feel typical, they still feel real. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, it doesn't make them feel artificial So, what about the movie in particular scared you? What, like, the whole haunting process was really long and, uh, it was a bit of a long one. Probably not as long as Babadook, I'd say, but it starts with as simple as keys being, by the way, spoiler alerts from here on out, but keys being dropped on the floor to, uh, as far as murder happening in the household. And some weird sniffing. <laughs> weird sniffing. Um,. Gosh. Well, I'll tell you what got the jump on me in the movie was, I believe it was night 13 that uh, Mika sort of antagonizes the demon a little bit, you know, says, hey, you've got nothing, bro. And then that same night, uh, coincidentally, there's some sort of demonic scream and then a big old thud. Right, that got the jump on me. So that was the first thing in the movie that was like, Whoa! you know. Um, and then I'd say that it was actually, and I imagine we'll talk about this uh, quite a bit later. But the alternate, the alternate ending was the scariest to me. It wasn't like the jump scare kind of scare, but it was the scariest. Interesting. Okay. Um, I I would agree that the that thud with the big scream that that's what scared me the most probably throughout the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But they did a really great job of just building that suspense throughout the movie. At different times, we'd see like a blanket rise. We'd hear the demonic presence, which is a really cool way of like presenting like the demons here without showing us was using that audio cue. Um, uh, and we would just see a little thing move. And it would build suspense to, like, what's going to happen here. And they did a wonderful job of not letting that suspense always mean something. So that when it mm-hmm. did do something, like, the suspense sometimes would be like, oh, yeah. And then you drop the blanket. And it's like, oh, cool. I hope you thought it was soft or something. But <laughs> right. then, then later they, uh, but sometimes it would be like, oh, something's coming upstairs. It's suspenseful. And then, like, the husband gets thrown into the camera. And it's like, okay, that's different. I hope the husband <laughs> thought the, fo- the throws softer or something, but it was just they did a really great job of not always having to put a jump scare at the end or always having to make you jump out of your seat with it. Right, like not every beginning 
not 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 every event had to end in something scary and meaningful exactly um and one of the impactful one of the funniest things i was thinking about was because i was really trying to pay attention to why we appreciated our characters why we enjoyed them um and it's the weirdest kind of transition because i thought it was funny in our babadook talk i talked to i compared it to underwater because there's only a few seconds of setup in that movie like just a few minutes and the reason we like our characters because she saves a spider from a sink and in this, mm-hmm. he the literal save the cat. I literally like this is why we like our character is he saves the spider. He he kind of saves his wife from like oh I'm scared of the spider or his girlfriend, but he also saves the spider and lets it outside. And he's always sweet with the spider. And I was like interesting, like why why a spider? It was just an interesting parallel. Yeah, that is interesting because now that I think about it, there wasn't a whole lot to Mika that made you like him in any way. No, and like. In the beginning, he seemed a little charming. Uh, you can maybe kind of like him in the beginning, but throughout the movie, he gets yeah. progressively worse and worse of a person. Yes. So, so good. Good thing he at least saved a spider, right? Yeah, exactly. You can feel for him a bit. Um, seemed to care about the spider more than his girlfriend, though. But <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um. But yeah, what's Katie, we we kind of empathize with Katie more, but we didn't have much of a reason to like her from the get-go as much. Mm-hmm. She was just kind of an enjoyable character. Um, where Mika declined. And I thought that was... All right, you, she's enjoyable, she's creepy. She's a, she's not a main role, though. Oddly enough, even though there's only two characters. She's weirdly enough a, just a really heavy supporting role. Yeah, I, I guess that is the case. Because the the main character really is Mika and the camera. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, the camera and is then, a really big character. And then, and then the other big character is the monster itself, the the demon. Yeah, that we never even see. Right. And I think that yeah, I think there were like four actors in total or something, weren't there? There's the psychic, right. which... Mika and the girlfriend and then Mika's friend. Sorry, not Mika's friend. Yeah, the girls. What was the girl's name? Uh, I don't remember Katie's friend. All I remember is that Katie, her act, her acting to me was the least impressive. <laughs> oh, Katie's? No, Katie's friends. Katie's friend. Oh, you know, I remember thinking like they really just like got someone here to like they really just asked a friend like, "Hey, you put on set real quick." Yeah, that that's what I thought too. It's like, oh, they obviously just asked someone, "Hey, could you say these lines?" Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it it wasn't that distracting. It was just kind of like ah, no, it wasn't too bad at all. Um, uh, the psychic was quite good actually. Um, and the the psychic uh, enters the movie after the the debacle of the first night where keys fall on the floor from the counter. Right, and it starts off very slowly, and, and that's actually when we meet the psychic. Uh, what did you think about the psychic character? I. It's important to have someone with know-how in horror movies, especially with Supernatural. Someone that, like, especially in today's age, uh, ever since we started introducing, like, meta characters with Scream. But uh-huh. we uh, we always need someone that understands the world better than anyone else that has a clue of what's going on. Because once they understand the fear behind the situation, once they can assess the situation, it becomes a lot scarier. And like we, it's that's conveyed to the audience that like, oh, this is serious. Um, 
because he enters the movie way later and he says, I can't even be here. You guys are essentially just boned. Uh, I'm yeah. Yeah. Every man for himself at this point. Uh, he, was, he was trying to sound polite, but I got pissed. Um, and yeah. that's when you know, like, oh crap, they're in Germany. Yeah, that 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 is the point when you know that that they are completely screwed. Is is when the psychic comes back, and he basically pops his head in. He doesn't even fully come into the house, and he's like, "No, there's too much demon in here. I'm out." <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I'd hundred percent agree. Is there? Do you have a favorite character? Ian? Is there anyone that you're like? They're my favorite. Like that. They. Because for me. My favorite character is defined by who did the least stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of difficult in this movie, right? Because you don't have a lot of options. <laughs> no, it's, you don't. So, But it makes it really hard to choose. I like yeah. me, it's probably like I want to I, it might even just be the psychic because Maybe even just the demon, because at least the demon got what he was supposed to do done, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, for for the psychic, during the movie, I was trying to imagine the psychic as as someone who was trying to get one over on them almost, right? Like a psychic that didn't actually talk to ghosts or anything. Yeah, he's just trying to make a and- yeah, because it was interesting in the movie, right? Because he shows up, and uh, Katie ends up telling him about her past, about how she had actually dealt with this uh, paranormal presence before when she was eight in their old house. And then, the you know, the psychic walks around their house, you know, looks at stuff and uh, and, and talks to Katie, of course, and he says that he thinks it's a demon, and then he says that this isn't really his specialty, right? That he just deals with ghosts. That he connects, uh, that he connects people with uh, human spirits, right? In the in the afterlife, which, by the way, kind of a dick move. <laughs> um, but regardless, and that he he then says, you know, I'll I'll give you the number of my of another doctor demonologist guy, you know, who I'll put you in touch with. And I was I was thinking that because when they try to contact that guy later, he's out of the country. Which when does a demonologist like just leave the country for some reason? There is that, but it made me interested in just like does he is he actually needed in another country? You know, like is is it that serious? But right. Well, what I was thinking is this is why what I was wondering is is this psychic just because i assume they pay him right oh. so is he just kind of yeah and and i'm not saying he he is that in the movie but then that kind of uh later in the movie when he kind of comes in i think at that point he's like god i'm tired of these people they're freaking me out i'm just gonna leave uh <laughs> you know like i i can i can kind of imagine him being like an actual con man psychic as opposed to a real psychic. No, yeah, I didn't and even that, consider that. But that makes sense. I mean, it just they were actually just stranded. They didn't actually have any real help, even though they thought they did. So that's a really interesting take. I, I didn't think of that. Yeah, and th- that's just that's just sort of my 
<laughs> the, the rational part of my brain again, just wondering about the authenticity of the psychic guy. And so I, I'm trying. So I was wondering if he was actually supposed to come off as an expert, as a subject matter expert, or as uh, sort of a real world psychic con man person. Yeah, that's crazy. That's really cool. Um, I'd, yeah, no, that would make one hundred percent sense. Actually, just why they didn't actually get any help, even though they thought they were. Um, yeah, because I mean, hey, man, M- Mika did his best. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although he's also very dumb. What? So throughout the haunting, we see it progress worse and worse. Um, it goes from so it goes. From, I said it earlier. It goes from keys, but then it takes turns into loud thuds, uh, getting dragged out of bed smashing paintings uh to eventually just straight up possessing Katie. Right. I'm curious about your take on what where does this progress come from? Is it just the demon wanting to like just just being like I'm going to be worse and worse to you tonight? Or Well, I I thought it was because of Mika which or at least that that's what we were supposed to think. And this is also what Katie says more and more as the film progresses is get get that camera out of here, right? Like, stop doing this. You know, this wasn't this bad to start messing around, right? And, you know, especially during the start, he wasn't taking it seriously. And so starting with the night where you have the demonic scream and the thud, uh, right before that, right, Mika was challenging the demon, right? Saying, you, know, you got nothing. Right, which which is a very stereotypical masculine way of dealing with this sort of problem, right? Like I could I could even see myself doing this if I thought there was a ghost in my house, I might be like, "Come and get it," because it kind of psychs you up and keeps you from being afraid because you're, yeah. you know, project pro- projecting your uh, your dominance, I, I guess. And I think that's where his masculinity is like accepted by the audience more or less is when he's yelling at it, "You're worthless" and stuff. He's, he's teasing it. Because you know, he yeah in his mind it's not anything real. Um, but yeah, later, exactly. When he knows it's real, everything is bad. He and this this bothered our audience a lot. You could see it in the chat, um, mm-hmm. and it bothered me when he was just like, "No, you're my girlfriend. This is my house. I'm not. We don't need to call somebody. I'm taking care of this." And I was like, "Dude, yes, get over yourself." Completely, because yeah, because once he realizes that the monster is real, which um. Or, which is after this point, right, when you have the demonic scream. Uh, and then also the next night, or I guess technically it's two nights, but the next night we see when Katie sort of stands up in the middle of the night, stares at the bed, and then walks outside and sits out there. Uh, then after that is when he gets the Ouija board, right? With it, even though Katie told him not to buy one but he borrowed it, right? So technically he didn't break his promise of not buying one. Right. And so throughout this time, he's being, he's being very selfish in the fact that he wants to be a man and solve the problem, right? Even though he has no idea what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he became more and more despicable of the character throughout the entire thing. Yeah. And, and all the while taunting the demon basically right yeah because 
I mean, even even if we can question the psychic's credentials, he specifically said you should not get a Ouija board. Try to communicate with it. That'll just make it angry. And then look at what he's doing, right? <laughs> so they mentioned later when they're comparing uh, Katie to that girl in the past that held the exact same stuff happen and then died. Um, right. Her name was Dinah, I believe. Dina, Dinah. Um, he thought that's what the demon was spelling on the Ouija board. Do you think that... I, I'm curious to see what it was actually spelling. Like, if anyone's actually figured out what the... that That's... Was pointing to. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, this is something we've both learned today, by the way, that you can call the the cursor on the Ouija board a planchette. Mm-hmm. That's pretty- I'm probably yeah, I'm probably pronouncing it terribly, but I haven't seen the words. Planchette. I looked up the pronunciation, but the phonetics man look like an alien language. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's a scene where we. Because after he gets the Ouija board, right, Katie gets super angry because she never wanted this, right? And she thinks, you know, he's not taking it seriously again, which he's not. Um, He's angry in the demon, which he probably is. And she storms out. He follows her. But the camera's on the Ouija board, and we see the planchette move across it, and then it gets uh, a fire starts on it, right? And it gets burned pretty badly. And, and yeah, and, and, uh, Right out the next day, uh, Mika is trying to figure out what the what what it's trying to say to them, and I don't think he ever figures it out. But yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not sure. I I, I did not look at it very closely. I bet so, there are diehard fans that like calculated and everything and figured it out. I'd be really curious to see what it was. Yeah, although I'm sure there is supposed to be some yes mystery behind that. To it. Mm-hmm. Um. I think so. What's inter- what interests me is the hauntings progress not only with Mika treating the demon worse and worse and denying it less and less. It's uh, they also progress with Mika's treatment towards his wife. Um, mm-hmm. if you if you look if you watch it in this kind of lens, you see that like the more that he betrays her trust, the more that he doesn't listen to her, uh, neglects her. Um, the worse the demon attacks get. And what really gave me this idea was when it smashed that uh, photo of them in their house and they smashed Mika's face. They did not smash Katie's face. Yeah. And it was always calm before uh, Mika was there. So, Mm -hmm. and his tormenting kind of enraged it. But in a weird way, I think the demon had some kind of emotional attachment to Katie. I think that uh, it at one point started dragging, like it, when it starts dragging Katie away, you can look at it as an attack, but is it also just trying to get her away from Mika in the way it knows how? Um, yeah, I, I I do think I do think when you're looking at the events as they unfold, that the demon does seem to be mostly targeting Mika, which makes sense because he's the one antagonizing it right yeah although the the ending i'd say especially the alternate ending but even the uh current ending do bring into question the the demons uh if if the demon actually has a emotional bonds with katie Mm -hmm. although it could also be is a demon right so 
if it has taken a liking to Katie, uh, you know, it will definitely be angry at Mika, but it could also certainly be angry at Katie for being with Mika. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the jealous ex. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that that's 100% feasible. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. It, uh, it only ever had a grasp on Katie. Like, any interactions it made was either with an object or with Katie. But it was never really able to affect Mika directly. Not that I recall. Um, right. So, like, Katie was definitely the tie. And we find that uh, the picture of Katie that shouldn't exist because it burned out um, above their bed. And while that, I think our first response to that is what a creepy thing for the demon to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I almost thought like, oh, it kept some memorabilia. Like, oh, it was just remembering it's a little girl. Like a dog looking out for its master almost. Like, like a dog loving its owner. It was like a, yeah. a demon kind of like keeping some kind of memorabilia of like, remember this little... Like, that that is interesting. interesting. Um, so like, was because it meant course... to be a creepy thing to find or was it really just they stumbled upon it and it seemed creepy to them, but the demon is just like, oh yeah, that's it. Right. And, and even if it comes off as creepy, right? I think the demon is saying, uh, you know, remember, like, I remember you. Do you remember me sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, like, hey, I'm the I'm the demon from when you were eight years old, you know. Ha ha. Uh, it's still quite creepy, of course, but it's not necessarily meant in malice for Katie. Mm-hmm. Oh. And my final piece on the demon's interest in Katie is we at the end of the movie the kitty is never heard from again is what the kind of ending uh, lines say we don't actually see it mm-hmm. but the movie tells us that uh, and to me I was like so the demon basically took Katie and eloped with her that's what happened he was just like yeah this is, this is <laughs> interesting uh, just if you look at it from that kind of perspective and I don't know how applicable that is, but that was kind of like a fun way to look at it for the second time watching. Yeah. Um, these two endings, Ian, do you want to talk about the differences in the two endings real quick? Just so people know what we're talking about. Sure. So so the first ending, uh, it's very similar to the nights where in both, both these endings start the same way. So I'll kind of start with how they, with how both endings start. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar uh, to one of the nights where Katie gets up out of bed and stands there and just stares at Mika in bed, which very creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she does this again. And then much like how originally she went downstairs and like sat outside, this time she goes downstairs and then she screams. And then Mika comes running down there and you know there's you can't really hear what's going on but one thing is what's going on and then and then the scream stops and you also don't hear mika anymore and what were you gonna say i want to point out that both this time when she screamed downstairs and when she was being dragged away uh, they make a big deal of it every other time but mika doesn't grab the camera these two times which i thought was a little bit of a redeeming quality of his he he needed something because he was such a douche but yeah, that's that's a good yeah. point. When she actually needed him, he was there, which I have to give him credit for that. Um, mm-hmm. 
he he could tell that she was that she seemed really in danger. Yeah, and so he did get up and he just he ditched the camera. It didn't matter at that point. Because um, mm-hmm. every other time they made a big deal of like, oh, let me get the camera before I can help you. Right, like like you're talking about when she screams, and then he like originally starts going over, then grabs the camera because he thinks it's some paranormal thing, and then there's a spider. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, so he's he's willing to leave the camera behind when it matters. So at mm-hmm. least there's that. Um, but anyways, sorry, go on. So she, she screams, yes. Mika runs downstairs. Yep, so she screams, Mika jumps out of bed, runs downstairs. He's, you can't really make out what's going on, but it seems like he's, he's essentially saying, well, what, what's going on? And then, and then the screaming stops, and I think you hear Mika sort of go, you know, uh, grunt or whatnot, like, ugh, you know, um, and then everything's just silent. And and this this is actually one of the creepiest things in this entire movie, and it's especially because of the the placement of the camera. So then you just hear these slow footsteps up the stairs, and uh, and then this is where the two endings uh, diverge. So the original ending, you hear the slow walking up the stairs, and then suddenly out of nowhere, something is thrown at the camera. And it turns out what was thrown at the camera was Mika. And it was Katie that threw him. Um, and then she sort of uh, crouches down, looks at the camera creepily, and her face turns demonic-ish, and then just sort of leaps at the camera and then over. She doesn't look at it before she st- she sniffs Mika all over, which I thought was really interesting. That was interesting, yeah. I think... I think it speaks to the possession a little more, like the demon being like, I'm really curious about human smells. Like, what is, what is this asshole that's been messing with this whole time? <laughs> what does asshole smell like? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you said they diverge there at the stairs. There's actually a weird little place where that diverged a little sooner than that. Two parts. Um, really? Okay. The If I'm not mistaken, the the true ending, um, the theatrically released ending. Uh, when Katie is yelling downstairs, she's screaming and she yells Mika's names, Mika's name throughout the screams. And oh. in the original ending, uh, Katie is not screaming his name; she's just screaming, which I thought was a crazy thing. And then visually. When they're at the top of the stairs and the new ending, the theatrical the theatrical ending, Mika um or we don't we look in the shadows and we don't see anything. There's not really any indication that anything's there. Where in the original mm-hmm. ending, we do see a bit of like a silhouette of what is Katie. Uh, we can't make it out as Katie quite yet, but we see it. And that could just be me not paying as much attention the first time, but I thought I saw a little bit of a difference there. Well, I think you're correct. Because in the in the alternate ending, when Katie walks up the stairs, there's no suddenly something's thrown at the camera, right? And so you get to see her slowly emerge from the shadows mm-hmm. with, with blood, blood all over her. her. Um, and that's that's super creepy, right? Because right, you're looking through this camera, and you're looking at the at the darkness where the stairs are, right? Because the stairs sort of lead right up into the bedroom. And so when you hear these big steps, 
all you're waiting for in both endings is for something to emerge from the shadows, which is really scary. And the original one, or not the original one, I technically, but the, the, the theatrical one, right? Um, you know, there's a sort of somewhat of a jump scare, right? Because something's suddenly thrown into the room. Whereas in this other alternate ending, she emerges covered in blood and is holding a knife. And she slowly walks to the camera. Then she turns around, closes and locks the doors, and looks at the camera while she slits her throat and falls over dead. And you said that the original ending with the throat slitting was that one scared you more or stuck with you more? Yes. And and I think it was primarily because, I don't know, it didn't feel as, I don't want to say cheap, but that's also kind of what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong, the theatrical ending, it wasn't bad or anything. But this, the alternate one felt more real to me. No, I think that makes sense. Uh, the theatrical ending says, like, Ooh, look at this, it's still out there. Oh, look, at maybe this is movie two or something, mm-hmm. who knows. Where, yeah, the, the alternate ending, the original ending, uh, it is more just bleak, and it's more what we'd almost expect to see from just a malevolent force. Right, yeah. And, and, and in the alternate one as well, I think it does leave... I mean, it's hard to really say that there's any wiggle room in this movie for saying it's not supernatural, but it does leave some in saying, like, well, maybe this is in Katie's head and she just killed her boyfriend and then killed herself, right, because of the because of some sort of psychological issues. Uh, there's like some wiggle room for that, right? Whereas in the other one, there's no wiggle room for that. It is a demon, period. You know, it's a demon that is possessing her. Um, no, I, th- I think, yeah, maybe at least a little wiggle room. I think it's hard to say, to say there's wiggle yeah. room just because of all the other stuff that happened. Yeah, but for sure. There, there, it definitely leaves a bit more ambiguity there. Mm-hmm. Which I like. Uh, ambigu- am- ambiguity can be really powerful in horror. Oh, for sure. Um, as we see in this movie, with how ambiguous the actual demon is. <laughs> Never seeing it was definitely the right move. Um, I think that the best ending it could have had would have been to throw Mika into the camera. And from there, uh, just hear footsteps going back down. Interesting. I, I think to never have seen Katie again would have been really interesting rather than see her as a demon. Look at her as, or literally just have it done right there. Like, who knows what happened after that? Did Katie throw him out there? Was it the demon itself? What happened to Katie? I think that would have been the most ambiguous and the most... Like, like you never actually see Katie. Yeah. Like, who knows if she's dead downstairs? Like, because it says she's never seen again. So, is she never seen again? Because the demon disposed of the body? Did he kidnap her? Did yeah. He... Or was it possession? Like, he... At that point... I think that would have left a lot more room for fear in the audience's mind. Yeah, I actually really like that. Now, another another alternative, right, if you did want some sort of creepy monster face or some sort of creepiness factor like that, mm-hmm. is you could have a very, very sort of uh, dim um, silhouette of Katie sort of in the darkness yeah, of the stairs, and then it sort of disappears right 
So then there's still like there's a form that you can be afraid of, but it's too ambiguous to uh, to sort of rationalize it. Um, I think that it could have ended better with that. I think something like that would have done way better. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that also would have that definitely would have bumped up my my score. Um, also, just something fun I found. So I'm sure you know this, but the film was shot for fifteen thousand dollars. Yes, it's one of the like highest ratio films of how much it was shot for to how much it actually grossed. Right. Well, well do you know, know how much that new ending cost? Oh, I don't know this. What was it five thousand? It cost two hundred thousand dollars. Wow, the new ending cost. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, isn't that insane? <laughs> oh, wow. I can't what? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, guess so just this to recreate it all, just to get it all set back up again, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, now, th- this is according to Wikipedia, so I guess asterisk, but I- I'm, a- I'm inclined, uh, especially with-, with a page like this, that that, that is accurate. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, even so, right, this film grossed 108 million dollars so cheap is cheap as heck right and and like you were saying um it was the most profitable film ever made based on the ratio between how much it cost and how much it made yeah that's crazy which is yeah i believe that um i believe it was spielberg that actually gave that new ending that we see theatrical release i believe that was like his idea he was like it should end like this Mm-hmm. which classic spielberg honestly <laughs> if it was him <laughs> just like what if we add some effects <laughs> yeah honestly yeah but um yeah overall i don't mind the ending by any means i think i'm gonna call it a bit of more of a cloverfield ending which maybe a movie will do down the line or something but it's another found footage film that and it ends a bit more ambiguously kind of like kind of like this one or kind of like this one should have, I feel like. Right. Yeah, we we yeah, we should do uh we should do Cloverfield sometime. Yeah, there you go. Some 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 foreshadowing for for a future future episode. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Um. Do we want to move on into the surveys? Well, let's let's sit down one second. I do want to address one thing that I forgot to touch on, which is a huge deal that I feel like does need to be touched on. Is mm-hmm. We see Katie uh, not wanting to leave the house at the end. Do you remember? I mean, so let's go stay in a hotel tonight. Let's let's get out of here. Um, they made it clear in the movie that that wasn't necessarily going to solve their problems. The demon was following her, not the house. But the idea of getting out of that place still felt really appealing, even if you knew the facts. Um, and she right, was completely on board with it before. She wanted to leave. And then suddenly she's in bed, super dormant, just feeling like, no, it's, we're going to be okay, it's fine. Which uh-huh. I feel like is kind of the last step of her possession, almost. It's like her accepting it in a weird way. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and this is that's also a similar state uh, to her earlier in the movie when she, when she wakes up in the middle of the night, sort of sleepwalks downstairs and then sits outside in the freezing cold. Now when, when Mika comes down to her, yeah, she's very irresponsive. Like, she she can only get out and eh, just leave me alone, right? And I think you see this again. And yeah, I think you're right. This is when she's accepted it. 
Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. It's, uh, I, it was like two very similar states. So, um, but yeah, that being said, let's, uh, let's go on ahead to the, the reviews. The, so at the end of the movie, for those that weren't there, we had the audience fill out a little questionnaire just to get an idea of who was scared. Uh, my theory on this movie has always been that, um, it scares women more than it scares, or sorry, it scares men more than it scares women. Because I think it builds on this feeling of like helplessness and the feeling of fear um, that de- is derived from that helplessness. And I think that just because of how messed up today's society is, um, that women have to be more careful than that in public because men are freaking scary. Um, mm-hmm. I got, I, I, uh, my girlfriend showed me a video of this string tied to a car door handle. Like, this, like, kind of knotted string tied to one. And she was like, that's so scary. And I was like, that, what? I don't, I would do this to a friend just to mess with it. I don't know what this is. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is the worst prank ever. Was it was in my head. And it turns out that people do that to car doors so as to snatch the person uh, while they're working on untying the knot there. And I, right. I was like, holy crap, like, I, that was like a whole thing I didn't even know about. Like it's just crazy. Yeah. What you have to look out for in the world. And like I don't I'm a six foot four dude. I'm uh I have like a medium bill. I don't need to worry about. I don't go out and I don't have to be scared of everything. Mm-hmm. Um it's just the world through a different lens. And I think deriving men of that kind of so almost like false in control feeling, I feel like that scares them more than and women are just like, yeah, it's whatever. You know, like, the real world's scary, too. Like, why is this scary? Right. Yeah, and, and I guess... So it's been the, a the movie. Yeah, and I, I guess the movie does actually really hit it that through Mika, because he is exhibiting masculinity, right, and, and trying to uh, sort of dominate the environment through it, right, to protect himself, and I imagine also his girlfriend, from this demon, right? But it doesn't work. No, exactly. And the whole time she's trying to be rational about it, she's trying to be like, listen, why, why poke the bear? Right. Um, but any, so okay, well, these surveys, uh, I'm going to try to look through. We have uh, eight surveys here, and I'm looking through. We have one indifferent male, so indifferent being like a two out of five. Or, sorry, scared of the movie, they were a three out of ten for the male. A female, we hit an eight out of ten. So, I can speak to this because I know some of them, the audience members is that we had a couple scaredy cats in there that were females. <laughs> uh, we had another male hitting a four. So this is like kind of the opposite. We had a non-binary hit a three. Had a male hit a two. Female hit a four. Female hit a six. And a male hit an eight. Um, I want to read because we asked this little question in there. You're walking home. Uh, you're walking back to your car in a parking lot late at night. You see a dark silhouette next to a white van near your car. What do you do? Um, how do you respond? And this, this whoever said this, whoever, whatever, twenty-five to fifty-year-old male, uh, who thought the movie was an eight on the fear scale said, "Nope, I minded my own damn business. Not tonight, scene." <laughs> 
But yeah, I thought that was a... So the, these don't quite reflect what I was thinking, but I also think that of an audience, I think we had some males that are more accustomed to horror and some females that were much more scared for. Yeah, less less accustomed to it. Yeah. Which, which was a coincidence. Um, another response to the van question, we have, how do you respond to the dark silhouette? And this one said, shitted and pissed my pants. <laughs> that's quite, that's quite like you don't actually you don't actually do anything yeah. it's just that it happens to you when yeah. you see it. just the pure just the pure like seeing of that person I'm just like alright oh man probably the, the, the FedEx guy just turns around what <laughs> <laughs> this one I like this one uh, go back to the store and have someone walk out with me that's cool that makes sense. Look, it's someone thinking rationally. Exactly. Uh, That's really good. Walk normally to my car, keeping close attention to the silhouette. Good, good. That's a fair one. I think that's probably what I would do. Yeah, and I think... And so, what's interesting is it was a male that said, pay close attention to the silhouette, and a female that said, go back and get some more. Uh, and that, yeah. What I was trying that, to say is different worlds. Like, mm-hmm. We're not a target. Uh, just because of the way society is. Yeah. yeah. Or at least we do not perceive ourselves as targets, and that's also a very real thing because of our, our culture. Yeah. Um. So, someone said, I'm probably seeing something that's not there, but I'll still square up just in case. That's, I like, I like <laughs> them just getting into like a fighting stance. <laughs> just in case. Uh, someone. So this is this is a female who is definitely afraid of horror. They say first time seeing kind of activity. It was an eight. Uh, they walk back to the store, or depending on whether the van was next to their car, then they would enter through the passenger door, check under their car to make sure their ankle doesn't get slashed. You, wow, crazy stuff. Yeah, I would never think of that. I, I. So I'm because of um the original. What was it? Uh, Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy gets his ankle slashed in there, dude, and that just messed with me so much. That, like, I don't check for it, but I'm always like, wouldn't it be a bummer if I got my ankle slashed right now? <laughs> I think the closest I've gotten to that is it was almost like a... Uh, it was something... I mean, you, you've seen The Walking Dead, obviously. I feel like it's a trope in The Walking Dead for a walker to reach out and bite someone's ankle. Right? Because, and the scary thing about it, right, is that it's it's like they didn't have an opportunity to get away. Like, it was just a sudden bite, and now either Rick's going to think quick and cut your foot off, right? Or, yeah, or you're just going to die, right? And so, and, and... That's an interesting one. Yeah, I think it happens at least like four times in the show, but um, I want to say I could totally be remembering it wrong, honestly, but if that's also what I just remember as being a scary thing. So I can see if someone sees that in a movie, like someone getting their ankles um, sliced when they're standing next to a car. I could totally imagine thinking about that every time you go to your car. That, that makes sense to me. Um, what's What interests me about those ankle bites, um, the attacks on the ankle, 
especially in like a zombie movie, but it's uh, you usually see it after a fight or something. Like they just shot down like twenty zombies that were right, like just broke down the fence and were coming at them, and they just used so much ammo, but they were like, "Oh my god, we're so good at killing zombies." And then, uh-huh. then the zombie goes up and bites someone's ankle. I was like, oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> For real, after all this. <laughs> uh, and in a weird way, it says their pride is their Achilles heel in some kind of weird metaphorical way. Because uh, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm so good. And then like they, they literally get their heel bit. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So like, <laughs> I always kind of, anytime I see that, I always think like overconfidence in a way. Uh, anytime uh-huh. the heel is attacked, I'm like, that person wasn't being careful enough for a horror it's also just a scary thing because you rely on your feet to uh to do the the run of of choosing between running and fighting right so if someone just suddenly cuts your ankles right then suddenly you can't run and that's freaking scary and at that point you're fighting and it's, mm-hmm. it's worse. without heels or, or ankles rather. yeah exactly and that's just a bummer. No one wants to fight like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an interesting review. I want to point this out. What did you do? So we asked, what did you like and dislike about it? And someone said they like and dislike the cinematography. They like the style of the found footage, but they dislike that it made them nauseous. And that's a weird, interesting thing with found footage is it does make a lot of people nauseous. I don't get nauseous by it. I get nauseous in the car. Like I have to be driving the car or I'm going to like, I have to be careful to be watching the road and like have my hand on a handle or something. Otherwise, I'm going to get cars in that car. Uh-huh. Uh, but found footage, I've never had an issue with. But I've heard that review a lot. That it makes a lot of people nauseous. But I like that you still like this style. Uh, I don't know who this was, but that's cool that you like this style, even though it made you sick. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um, and a lot, but for the most part, what people liked and disliked. Uh, Mika didn't have many fans, is what I can tell you. <laughs> I could probably make a pretty interesting list of all the things Mika was called. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no one, no one was rooting for Mika. Actually, someone was rooting for him to die, so... Wait, hold on. Dang. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's... I do, don't get me wrong, I don't, I do not like Mika, but I think it's important to remember that in this movie, you are seeing a very personal side of Mika that he's sharing specifically with his girlfriends, and like, yeah, he is a bit of a dick to the psychic because he's like making fun of his practice, but to be honest, I could see doing that, like, like I personally wouldn't do it. Um, but I could see like, you know, when you're a rational person who does not believe in, in psychics, right? Just in the paranormal and supernatural. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then you, then you kind of want to poke fun at it. Right. Uh, but going back to the fact that he, he is filming, uh, his personal life, right. With his girlfriend. And I think. He and that also means you kind of have your guard down when it comes to you know jokes and stuff because between you and your partner, right? There's there might be a lot of jokes and 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 there might be ways that you talk that wouldn't be appropriate for the public, right? 
and and so I think that although he is an asshole in it, he's also being like a joking asshole, which might just be how his girlfriend and him interact, right? So it might not it might not necessarily be how he would present himself in public. I'm not saying that makes him a better person, but I'm also saying that you might be seeing uh, the worst side of him. <laughs> yeah, unfiltered. Yes, you are seeing unfiltered Mika. Um. Anyways, Ian, we only have a couple minutes left here. Is there any, are there any last words you want to say? Hmm. Well, I would just like to end with that you should watch this movie. I know we've spoiled like the whole thing, but if you haven't seen this movie and you have any interest in found footage or it intrigues you in any way, I would definitely watch this movie because of course it's one, it's one of the first ones. I don't I don't know if it was the first one, but it's one of the first found footage movies. It's definitely a pioneer. Um yeah it's yeah just from a filmmaker's perspective yeah it's wonderful to get a perspective on it uh it offers just a lot of insight as to the beginnings of it and they do a really great job of creating a scary atmosphere i think so yes it's absolutely even if you know what's going to happen to an extent it's still good to watch just if you want to be scared for a night yes and and still for me the most impressive part of this movie was how real katie and mika felt um, and it just comes across in their conversations, right? Their conversations, it's not like brilliant dialogue because guess what? People at home don't have brilliant dialogue with one another, right? <laughs> so I did not buy it, Katie. So, haha, touche. Um, uh, we don't know how to do good dialogue either. It goes without saying. Um, <laughs> but... Regardless, I don't know how they did it, but they just did a great job. And you could even tell that it wasn't that they just talked like themselves because, you know, you had Katie's friend come in and you could immediately tell, oh, her acting's not great, right? So I don't know how they did it, but, um, you know, how the director and actors pulled this off, but Katie and Mika felt very real. So I, I would like to give this movie a lot of credit there. I'd agree with that, yeah. So thank you all for stopping by. Y'all have a lovely day, and again, come come in Fridays, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We always uh watching that horror movie to review the next day, so hope to see y'all there. Yes. Bye-bye.